Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Welcome, welcome to Fearless with Jason Whitlock. I am Jason Whitlock, your host. Happy Wednesday. It's hump day. It's Tennessee Harmony Day. It's a great day to be in my neighborhood and watching this show. We're gonna have a fantastic show. Steve Kim, Shimmy Michelle are gonna join me. Uh, Dave Shannon and uh, Anthony Walker will be here for some uh, Tennessee Harmony. Uh, we're gonna start with the Korean Cosell, and we'll also start with you guys pounding that like button on YouTube and helping us beat the algorithm. If you're listening over Apple, give us that five-star review as we fight that algorithm. Uh, I'm going to have a fire starter but I'm going to do it after Steve Kim uh, joins the program. And so without further ado, let's roll out to Los Angeles and bring in the Korean Cosell as we talk a little sports and a little bit about uh, Zion Williamson, who uh, has made some statements and has a, about an issue and has problems with an issue that I share with him, uh, the lack of fork control uh, and <laughs> Zion uh, has more money than me but it shares the same problem you know uh, he believes that uh, too much money makes it harder to diet I agree with Zion on that uh, let's play the clip and then uh, we'll bring Steve Kim in to discuss it is it hard to diet at your age uh jeez be honest since it's you I'll be real uh, there are times when I will say that, man, that shit hard. Mm -hmm. it's hard. It's hard, man. Like, you 20, 22, got a lot of money. All the, it feel like all the money in the world, man. It is hard, but uh, I'm at that point now where because of certain things, I'm putting back, like, the wisdom around me, a bunch mm -hmm. of, like, I don't want to say older because they take offense <laughs> to it. <laughs> and I'm just putting people around me with wisdom put me on game to certain things and just go from there though. Yeah. What he's basically saying is, hey, I've made it. I, I went through a year at Duke, high school career, and got overrun with money as soon as I hit the NBA. I've made it, what other purpose, what, what do I have left to accomplish? And so it's hard to be motivated and disciplined because I've made it, and it almost doesn't matter what I do from here. I've pocketed it from my shoe contracts and other endorsements and from the NBA. Maybe he's already made 40, 50 million bucks and feels like he's made it, and so he's just not that motivated. Steve, what do you think uh, Zion's trying to convey here um, about his lack of discipline with the fork? 
Well, first of all, uh, good Wednesday to you. And, and again, I, I love the way you look out for the fans by bringing me on as fast as possible. I like that. Uh, again, your Yelp <laughs> review should be a five stars today. I completely disagree and disavow with this young man. For him to insinuate that it's easier uh, or it's more difficult to eat healthy when you're rich or have that status, that's completely untrue. The reason why certain segments of the population are grossly overweight is because they can only afford junk food and things that are not good for them. It is more expensive and more inconvenient if you do not have money to eat healthy. Think about Zion Williamson. His body is made for business. He's an athlete. So you got to make sure that you invest into your business. This guy could literally hire three different chefs for every meal of the day, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Right. You could have a breakfast guy, a lunch guy, a snack guy, a late night guy, a dinner guy, and it'd be a tax write off. You talk to people that have money or don't have money or been in both situations that they will tell you it's much easier to eat healthy because of your options economically when you have money. Seriously. And if you actually go to a good restaurant that has healthy meals, they are probably a little bit more expensive then your average Burger King or McDonald's, give me a break. This guy, he's going to, I hate to say this, and I don't want to write him off, but he's going to go down, it seems like, in the Stanley Roberts, John Hot Plate Williams uh, lexicon of wasted ability of guys who just simply don't have the discipline to make this work. See, I, <sighs> discipline is obviously an issue, but I just don't think being a great player is that high of a priority for Zion. That, that's what he's really saying is like, hey, man, there's a lot of money for being a professional athlete. I got a lot of money. And again, he says it feels like it's an endless supply of money. And, and it should feel that way at 22, 23 years old because you don't really understand money at that point. And so what he's saying is like being a great basketball player, that was never really my agenda. I did it because I was good. I, I hit the genetics lottery. I was tall and athletic. This was going to be a way for me to get a lot of money. But the actual work and the actual desire to be a great player is not really a priority for Zion. And, and so everybody else is like, hey, man, take advantage of this potential that you have to be a great basketball player, but that's just not that important to him. And, and it's, it's, it's not as important as satisfying his taste buds and his desire yeah. to eat. Well, th there's a reason why. And Herman Edwards used to tell a story that when they went to the NFL combine, when he was on a staff and they'd bring in these players who were going to make millions of dollars, he would just ask him one question. Hey, son, you love football? And if he didn't like the way that kid reacted or his face, he said, uh -uh, nope, not this guy, not for us. We don't care how much talent he has, because if he does not have the drive to play this game of football and just to be a pro, forget the passion to be a pro, we're not giving him millions of dollars. You just cannot trust him. And I think that formula probably works across the board if you stick with it. By the way, in, in relation to Zion's discipline, it's not only his diet discipline that's an issue, okay? Let's put it that way, because he has an appetite for other things. Now, with that said... Pleasure. He has an appetite for pleasure. Food and, and sex are the greatest pleasure tools that, you know, that right. many people 
Yeah, and you know what the problem with Zion is? He's partaking in both in the wrong places. McDonald's and Mariah. Not good. Not good. Okay, so here's what he needs to do. If we're going to salvage his professional reputation. He needs to quit basketball, and there needs to be a challenger to Joey Chestnut. Since this young man loves to eat and he wants to be gluttonous, someone out there needs to break the dynasty of Joey Chestnut. Okay, this is getting real repetitive on 4th of July since our my fellow crouching tiger, Kobayashi, got banned or something. We got we got to break this Joey Chestnut dynasty. It's getting boring. It's getting repetitive. Zion, start training for next 4th of July. Since, since you've taken me there. Yes. You've taken me there. You're, you're going to force me to have an opinion on the hot dog eating contest. Yes. Which I believe is one of the biggest scams in all of sports. They're not, it's not a hot dog eating contest. They're not eating hot dogs in the bun with ketchup and mustard on it. They're stuffing hot dogs in their mouth. They're dump, dipping buns in water and shoving it down their throat. If they wanted to make that contest more enjoyable and more televisable, make them eat a real hot dog in between a bun with mustard on it and relish and ketchup if they want. Make them, make them do that. Make them get messy. That would be an interesting contest. Well, come on. These guys are trying to watch their weight. I can't want to add carbs to this whole thing. I, but look, going back to Zion Williamson, this is one of the pratfalls. And I know you've talked about this, the difference between the NFL and the NBA in terms of a collective bargaining agreement, specifically as it relates to guaranteed contracts and money. This is what happens when you tell somebody, hey, that $180 million, whether you play another game or not, and whether you want to load management 30 games or three, you're getting your money. Jason, what do you think was going to happen? What do you think was going to happen? And, and, and if I am a team that hears that, and I'm kind of in discussions with New Orleans to, hey, do we take a chance on Zion? I, I think we can rehabilitate him. He can lose 30 pounds. He could be that guy we all thought. That interview right there, I tell my GM, nope, nope, nope. Steve, here's the thing. I don't think Zion is unique among athletes in the NBA or the NFL or even Major League Baseball or any of these sports. I, I think the overwhelming majority of them, especially in the NBA and the NFL, they play it because they have the talent and the genetic gift. There's only a handful of them that play it because they absolutely love the game and, and want to do it. Zion's just more transparent, and his lack of love for the game is just more obvious. But, but I don't think he's remotely unique. He's got a unique problem with his gluttony. You know, most athletes don't have that. But... but his lack of desire and passion for the game, I, I think, is, you know, quite common among NFL and NBA players. I don't disagree with you, but, you know, let me just say this. What I expect from an athlete is not passion. I expect professionalism. And what does that word mean? That word means doing something when you don't want to do it because there's an obligation. doesn't matter if you're sick or you have mental issues. You just go out there and do it. Because you signed that contract. I mean, think about it, Jason. Would you rather have a player that's passionate and loves the game and would play it for free and gives you 12 points and four rebounds a game or a guy that just says, you know what, basketball, 
is just an occupation for me. I do it because I'm good at it. But he puts up 30 and 15. I mean, again, as a fan, and this is what bothers me about load management, I don't care if you love the game or not. But if you're giving me a great show as a fan, if I invest my time into watching you on television or actually going out to the game, and you give me an amazing memory. And that was the great thing about Michael Jordan, I believe. There came a point where Michael got worn down by being Michael, just consistently being under the microscope. And you could see it in the way he talked and dealt with people. And what I, and one thing I've noticed about Michael in, in studying his game and watching various clips there could be a, a relatively meaningless game in the middle of January where the dog day set in in a doldrum in Indianapolis or some other city that's not really a rival. But he, he took like that tack from Joe DiMaggio. Joe DiMaggio once said, as a player, I had to understand one thing. There's somebody in those stands who's never seen me before, and this will be their one time ever seeing me. I have an obligation to my name and to this franchise and to the game. Michael Jordan did that. I've seen a lot of games that really didn't mean much. And this guy's putting on a show. And look, and he could have played 36 uh, rounds of uh, holes of golf the night before, been out gambling, doing whatever. But when that ball was tipped, he understand I'm Michael Jordan. I have an obligation to myself, the Bulls, and the game. And, that, and again, you're right, but there's not a lot of Michael Jordans anymore. Well, I, I wouldn't even say anymore. Even during his era, Mike... Magic, Larry, Isaiah, these guys are all unique. The over, and, and one of the reasons why Jordan would get so frustrated with his teammates is because they couldn't match his passion for the game. And, and you know, there's guys that literally have just as much physical talent as Michael Jordan. They just didn't care as much but. about playing the game. They liked cocaine. They liked strippers and whores, uh, they, they, they like drinking. Zion's case, he likes eating. And as, it's not that Mike, because I, I don't know Mike that well, maybe he likes some of those things, but not to the point of where it would cause him to be derelict in his duties as a basketball player. But many of these players, you know, I, I knew many NFL players who felt like they couldn't practice or play the game of football without being high. And, and, that getting high was more important than being the best football player possible. And, and that's what separates a Deion Sanders from, let, let's say, a guy like Dale Carter. I don't know if you remember Dale Carter from Dale Tennessee Carter, yeah. that played cornerback for the Chiefs. Dale Carter had as much talent as anybody. Dude loved cocaine. And, 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 and I say that in, with respect for, for Dale Carter because my oh, understanding now is, you know, he's turned his life over to Christ and he's a different person. But that dude would show up to practice high on cocaine and, and hung over all the time. Poor Dale Carter. Just try to enjoy his Wednesday and you just throw him under the bus. But, Jason, this goes back to I think he didn't admit to it. Okay, well, anyway, Dale, you were a great Tennessee volunteer. My respect to you. But let's go back to the act of professionalism and what that means. Back in those days when I was still an avid NBA fan, as you were, I didn't watch a lot of games where I said, man, that guy dogged it. That guy didn't try. That guy doesn't want. They all had to be out there. That's the problem with load management. You start to give these guys an out. It almost becomes excused. In fact, the whole thing about mental health is now being used, I believe, as a crutch because I see it in boxing. And not saying it does not exist, 
But when you're allowed to just skirt your responsibilities by saying, well, I'm having mental issues. Well, you can't even ask these guys, well, okay, are you going to a mental health facility? So I, all of this is tied in. It's not just one thing. But Jason, at least those guys who played in that era, if they did not love the game and didn't want to even pick up a basketball once their playoff series ended, I'm okay with it because for six, seven, eight months, they were professional. They played the game and they did their duty and they lived up to their contract. And for me as a fan, that's good enough for me. I want to move on to uh, Megan Rapino, the U.S. Ugh. women's soccer star. Uh, Rapino uh, made news recently saying that uh, she sees trans women as real women and would welcome a trans woman on the U.S. women's soccer team. Uh, Riley Gaines, the you know University of Kentucky swimmer that competed against Leah Thomas, William Leah Thomas, uh, had some comments about this. Let's play uh, Riley Gaines. Well, not only is she just a high-profile athlete, she's actually someone who fought for women in sports. She fought for equal pay. She mm -hmm. fought for equal access, equal resources, all of those things in comparison to the women's U.S. national soccer team to the men's. And now she is undermining her fight entirely. And notice how earlier this week she announced her retirement. <laughs> so she's done playing. This is a classic case of virtue signaling. She wants to be seen as kind. She wants to be seen as inclusive. But it is not inclusive what she's fighting for. It's actually exclusive. It's exclusive to the very female athletes who the women's sporting category was created to protect. And it's not kind to ask a girl to undress in front of a man in a locker room. That is the exact opposite of kind. Mm -mm -mm. Your thoughts on Megan Rapinoe? Well, first of all, uh, Miss Gaines makes a great point. It's easy for Meg to say that she's retired. She doesn't have to deal with those ramifications or compete. You know, a couple of months ago, I remember seeing some clip about a group of uh, some club, their alumni, a bunch of older retired soccer players with dad bods beat our U.S. national team like 12 nothing or 15 nothing. So, I, so I, have, I have a solution for old Miss Rapino. Okay, let's have it. You know what I would do? I would just load up that whole U.S. women's soccer team with trans males. We'd be unbeatable because, face it, our men's team were never going to win. I mean, we might get to the quarterfinals, and that's good enough. But let's load up the whole women's team with a bunch of transformers. We'll blank teams 10 nothing. We'll be a dynasty. Is that what she really wants? I, I, I find Meg Rapino to be contemptible. I really do. And, but I think it's even worse that we give her a platform, and we're, we're supposed to pretend to take her seriously. Again, to paraphrase Logan Roy, she is not a serious person. She just isn't. Um, it actually bothers me that we give her a platform and give her a megaphone to even say this stuff. But again, you want to have it your way. Let's just load up the team with every single roster spot given to a transformer and let's just blow out and dominate the rest of the world. Let's just have it your way. Look, I I'm going to be succinct here and just summarize Megan Rapino just as honestly and as coldly as I can. She's an attention whore. End of story. Mm -hmm. She yeah. says these things for attention. Th th that's it. And, and she's not the only one. There, there's men that are attention whores as well. Uh, but that, that's all this is. And, and she's on her way out. She doesn't 
She's not as newsworthy as she used to be. Everybody's kind of over her, you know, her and the, just the whole deal. And so, oh, here's a way I can get my name in the news cycle and I'll have something to talk about. She's addicted to attention. And, and you're right, we keep giving it to her. And so she'll keep saying stupid things. And I, 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 there's another topic I'm, I'm far more interested in. <clears throat> Steve, uh, the 4th of July sparked rumors <clears throat> that Tom Brady and Kim Kardashian were flirting oh, with each other no. at a Michael Rubin party. Michael Rubin, the billionaire owner, founder of Fanatics, threw a big 4th of July white party. Every celebrity or star seemed to be there, including Tom Brady and Kim Kardashian. And people said they flirted with each other all night. And would, would Tom Brady and Kim Kardashian, would that be a good celebrity couple? First of all, I mean, that must have been a den of decadence, one of those fancy white parties. I, I think everyone that attended, and I think Joe Burrow, I'm like, oh, boy, I, I hope you're not getting caught up in that stuff, all that debauchery. I don't believe it. I don't believe there's these rumors. I don't want to believe it. You know why? Let's be honest, Jason. Brady is not exactly Kardashian's type. He's a little pale, little suburban. <laughs> You know, she was I mean, dating just, Pete Davidson. Oh yeah, that weirdo. I I know, but come on, that's not Tom. Tom, get yourself a nice Becky. Keep it simple. Keep it drunk. Get yourself a nice Latina. You know, come on, man. What? No, Tom. You can do Tom. Tom is like that guy that that is in the tax bracket for a nice luxury car. Right. I mean, a Bugatti or one of those fancy ones that I can't pronounce. I mean, I drive a Civic. I don't know anything about it. Tom, in a situation like yours, you don't go to Hertz and Avis and get a used car with 375,000 miles on it. Get yourself out of this play. Audible. Call a timeout. But no. No, Tom. Don't do it. Don't do it. No. No. I don't. Do you not think... If true, it would say something about Tom Brady that he's not he he's full blown celebrity, phony, uh, materialistic, uh, no morals celebrity, just like everybody else. Just the fact he was at that party. And I think when I, I saw some footage of it, I said, this is a cult. This is a, a cultish group based on celebrity and status and, I, and again i don't want to go completely full-blown oliver stone here but i have theories about gatherings like that and did it make me kind of lose respect for tom brady not to be judgmental but i'm going to be judgmental hell yeah it did yes it really did and it, when i saw joe burrow there i'm like joe you're better than this you're better than but i guess he's not i guess he's not and Tom Brady, look, you got yourself a freedom pass. I know I hate to put it that way, but you can upgrade. Your lease is over with the other one. Giselle, what's her face? She's rolling around doing jujitsu with her instructor. Do not go to Avis or Hertz, man. I'm trying to help you. See, Belichick brought 
structure into his life. This is where Bill Belichick go go to coach, man. This is it's a bad look, though. I, I'm with you on that. When I saw him there, I was like, mm, you're not the guy we thought you were. It, it is. I've become so negative towards celebrities that when this thing was popular over social media and everybody was showing who was there, I, I, I did. I, it, it did make me go. So the Fourth of July, would I rather be there with that group of celebrities, or would I rather be partying with a group of my longtime friends and family members? And and I, you know, people won't believe it, but yeah, I'd rather be with longtime friends and family members than a group of you know drunk, high, tatted up, uh, narcissistic uh, celebrities. And, and, and I'm sure some of those celebrities, good guys or girls individually, but, and, and maybe it's just because I've just become an old fuddy-duddy or whatever, but I just, I wasn't sitting there jealous, like, oh man, I wish I, wish I was at that party. I was sitting there like, well, there's a group of idiots that are all told it's, what to think. That's just basically a summertime version of the Met Gala. You know, when we see when I see people at the Met Gala and you're involved, I say, okay, you're questionable. You are questionable. Uh, I I just think of you at that point. Yeah, you're not someone I'd want to hang out and drink a uh, a frosty cold one with. They're not normal people. They're not among us. They are elitist. Does not make them better than us. But you're right. And and when I see current athletes doing this, and these see, there's some of the same guys that will complain now about white supremacy, which is always interesting to me. You know, they, they complain about social justice, about being down with the people. And then you go to an elitist gathering like this. I've, I've already questioned everything you said about that current agenda. Now it just really confirms what I thought all along. Steve, I saw you last night. I'm about to talk about this and do a fire starter yeah, on this uh, topic. But I, I saw yeah. you last night lingering, lurking in the uh, Twitter spaces last night as we talked about Pearl Davis, pearly things, uh, the queen of the manosphere. And and I, I felt like we made a mistake and should have uh, gotten your opinion on Pearl and the conversation we were having last night. Uh, was there something you wanted to chime in last night that you, that you bit your tongue and held back? Well, no, I, I'm just doing some reconnaissance. And this is what the thing about me. I can be a beige spot on a beige wall, as colorful as I am. A uh, couple things. Number one, I'm beginning to think on the Whitlock Mount Rushmore, there's Jeff George, Warren Central High, filet fish and now Pearly Things. My God. Good grief. Crushing a lot? Jeez, Jason. Just get a room or something. The other thing is, I do respect her. I'm not someone that watches her a lot. There's other people, and you know who they are, that that get my time on the internet, specifically on YouTube. But what I do respect about that young lady, she does not succumb to white guilt. I love the fact she can get into a space or any type of forum with a lot of different people and state, as a white woman, no, nah, I don't believe in this, this, or that. Because I think a lot of people gerrymander their opinion. In other words, they state their opinion but they don't give their full opinion because they want everyone to agree with them or nobody to bite back on them. One thing that I get a lot is, well, who are you as an Asian to talk about this, this, or that? Usually I'm Steve Kim. If I'm asked a question, I will give you my honest opinion. 
When you are white, black, Asian, Hispanic, Jewish, Christian, Protestant, two plus two is four. And you should be always be allowed to say the truth, not my truth or your truth, just the truth. Pearly things, for better or worse, you do not have to agree with her, but she will state her unfiltered, unfettered opinion. And one of the greatest things that's happening or worst things in America, a lot of people are succumbing to white guilt and suppressing their own true thought. And I believe that's a sign of weakness. You do not have to agree with anything she says or everything, but that's her opinion and she should be allowed to have it. And one other thing, I saw a video from Tommy Sotomayor. Tommy's doing a hell of a job. By the way, he jumped on. Now that was star-studded. Great job, Tommy. You brought some life and excitement to that thing. Okay. Now, did you did, did you hear Tommy's rant? That was great. That's Tommy. Tommy's gonna do Tommy. That's before he gets banned, he's gonna go out as himself. But anyway, he did this review of Pearlie's building this big compound on her father's or her childhood home. She's gonna bring her own studio set up. It's a whole compound, and she did a tour. This thing is expansive. I mean, if the rent's not too bad, I might move into one of those rooms, by the way. But anyway, during this thing, there's a basketball Hold on, where court. is she building this? Well, she's building what? Some sort of compound for studios and events. Yeah, ask her about that. I know you'll be invited now. I mean, you, you might get, you're going to get one of the VIP things to her white party, right? So anyway, here's the thing that was impressive. So she's getting filmed. She's giving a tour of the studio, the room. She shot some baskets. She shot like 20 footers. She made like five in a row. I mean, I was like, she's got a good jump shot. I've got to give her credit. She, she can shoot the basket. She got skills. She can play. I was like, you know what, Pearlie, you're okay. You're okay. You're okay by me. So that's, yeah. that's what I take. There, there's some 30-year-old guy that should be smart. And should go uh, invest, put in, put his seed inside of uh, <laughs> pearly things, well, and start based an NBA team. Wait, wait, yeah, but based, you know, it's interesting. Uh, the interview, you got her to admit she was doing the swirl. You know, she yeah, had a no. Black she likes brothers. Kind of that's that's why she's so bold. She she yeah she. That's why she has no white guilt. Yeah. So by the way, so all she, those people she, that say that pearly should not be speaking about certain things or certain cultures or races, I have a question. Do you hold yourself to the same standard? So you only talk about what a, what is directly your race. That, that's, that's my Because I get that a lot. Like, who are you as an Asian to talk about us? And I'll say, you know what? I'm an Asian that can talk about anything. Here's the thing. Um, you as another culture, you are free to have your opinions of Asian Americans. It's fine. It's absolutely fine. Will not bother me. I believe in the First Amendment. Uh, thank you, Steve. Uh, great job as always. Uh, we'll see you tomorrow. Uh, stay tuned. I'm going to have a fire starter addressing pearly things here in a second. But before I do that, I want to tell you guys about Bank on Yourself. Have you been told to max out your 401k? The Wall Street Casino loves to roll the dice with your hard-earned life savings. But the only thing Wall Street guarantees is that they always get paid, whether you win or lose. Thankfully, there's a better way to grow your nest egg. Bank on yourself is a guaranteed and predictable way to grow your hard-earned money. This retirement plan alternative gives you 100% control of your money, plus tax-free income in retirement. Bank on Yourself provides guaranteed predictable growth and retirement income with no luck, skill, or guesswork required. 
You'll know what your tax rate will be in retirement, zero, under current tax law, which protects you from the coming tax tsunami. You're also in control. Unlike 401ks or IRAs, with Bank on Yourself, you get to access your money for any purpose at any time with no questions asked and no government penalties or restrictions on how much income you can take or when you can take it. Now get a free report with all the details on how Bank on Yourself's strategy adds guarantees, predictability, tax savings, and control to your financial plan. Just go to bankonyourself.com fearless. That's bankonyourself.com fearless. All right, you can email me or us fearlessblazeshow at gmail.com. Tamika Michelle is going to join me for my fire starter next. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. The Manosphere, a loose confederation of male anti-feminist internet content creators, loves Pearl Davis. She is our queen, our ally in the fight to save the patriarchy. She's a soldier in the coldest, longest running war in the history of the planet, a war that is climaxing as you listen to me talk. It's the gender war, the battle of the sexes, the matriarchy versus the patriarchy. A spat sparked by a disagreement over an apple in the garden has brought the world to the brink of collapse. We should not be surprised. The issues and conflicts we ignore or wish away are the very maladies that destroy us. We hyper-focus on racial, political, and geographical conflict, falsely believing solving these disputes will bring us peace and order. We draw lines in the sand with conservatives and liberals, between blacks and whites, and among bordering nations. We're willing to die over race, politics, and land encroachments. The planet-long dispute between men and women forces us to compromise. Those compromises have led us where we are today. Men have been seduced into surrendering power and authority to women. The emotion and feelings of women rule Western civilization. This has created the Manosphere, an isolated, passionate corner of the internet where men grumble about their loss of dominion over the fish of the sea, the fowl of the air, and over everything that creepeth upon the earth. The matriarchy and its culture have rewritten the book of Genesis. Their rewrite warns against being fruitful, multiplying, and replenishing the earth. Man no longer subdues the earth, woman subdues man. In this climate, Pearl Davis is a tall glass of water in a feminist-controlled desert. She's joined the Manosphere in discussing the most important issue facing mankind, the natural order of authority. The church has shied away from the topic or acquiesced to the feminist point of view. This topic goes much deeper than prominent evangelists such as Rick Warren 
ushering in an egalitarian view on pastoral leadership. What are the consequences of women voting and joining the workforce? Have welfare and other government subsidies undermined male rulership and made America chaotic and vulnerable? Has the country gone too far promoting the development of girls and neglected the development of boys? All of these issues and many more need to, be, need to dominate the pulpit. They're mostly ignored and left to the manosphere. Bold, polarizing, and humorous, Pearl Davis won the adoration of the manosphere with a string of viral videos that proclaimed the superiority of men and mocked the delusion and whoredom of modern women. What's not to love? Pearl tells men exactly what we want to hear. Women should admit to their should submit to their husband. America should repeal the 19th Amendment. Women aren't as valuable as men. Women should expect and accept that high-value men will cheat. From her temporary home in London, the Chicago native is building an online empire that may one day rival Andrew Tate's. She has approximately 1.5 million YouTube subscribers. Her rants arguing against women voting and their declining beauty and fer fertility in their 30s are adding thousands of Twitter followers daily. She's mastered the art of triggering both conservative and liberal women. Yesterday, I interviewed Pearl on this show. It was my first interaction with a six foot tall volleyball player turned internet influencer. We chatted for a little more than 30 minutes. I liked her. Later that evening, I participated in a Twitter Spaces conversation for two hours that discussed the importance and authenticity of Pearl's meteoric rise to relevance. Shamika Michelle, Lauren Chin, Isabella Riley Moody participated in a nuanced conversation with myself, TJ Moe, and men and women across the Twitterverse. The full day of discussing pearly things left me wondering if the well-intentioned influencer is more of an unwitting double agent than force for good. She stumbled into her role as a cheerleader for the Manosphere and outspoken critic of feminism. She studied finance in college. She launched her influencer career on TikTok, posting videos about building a water slide in her family's backyard. She then made sarcastic videos, interpreting raunchy rap music videos as the stereotypical suburban white girl. She had a simple goal. She wanted to earn enough money to move out of her parents' house. She achieved that goal when she leaned into being the female voice of the manosphere, her innocence. Girl next, door Girl next Door charm mixed with natural conservative values made her unique and irresistible. She's Shirley Temple parroting the talking points of Andrew Tate. I don't say that to dismiss her. I love Pearl. I find her entertaining and authentic, but I have to admit there is some danger to Pearl. My conversation last night on Twitter Spaces helped me see the danger. While mocking the delusion of modern women, Pearl inadvertently condones the delusion of modern men. Make no mistake, the manosphere is delusional. It delights in ridiculing the failures of women without recognizing their failures are a reflection of man's horrendous leadership. The manosphere argues that the problem with the world is the fallen standards and morality of women. The truth is, it is man's fallen standards and morality that have ruined women and the world. 
The Manosphere wants women to fall in line, submit to the natural order of male leadership, while relieving men of the responsibility of falling in line and submitting to the natural order. The natural order is man follows God and woman follows man. The Manosphere rejects God's order of cleaving to one woman and avoiding adultery. It's one of the reasons we find Pearl irresistible. She repeats Kevin Samuels' mantra that high-value men are going to be promiscuous and that women seeking high-achieving men should learn to accept that fact. The Manosphere believes it's natural for men to cheat and or be promiscuous. Well, it's equally natural for women to usurp authority from men. Should we allow that? We want women to slay their flawed instincts. The key to inspiring them to do that is for men to slay their flawed instincts. Pearl, like all of us, has much to learn. She needs a biblical understanding of the value of women. Man cannot reproduce and has little life purpose without women. I don't blame Pearl for her naive and misguided thoughts. I don't blame the Manosphere either. I blame the church for not being as bold and courageous as Pearl and the Manosphere. That's my fire starter. I want to talk about this with Shamika Michelle, and then we're going to move into Tennessee Harmony and get a more biblical perspective on this feud, dispute, cold war between man and women from Dave Shannon and Anthony Walker. Uh, Shamika, welcome back to the show. Uh, you did a great job last night on the Twitter spaces. We spent a lot of time yesterday, interviewed Pearl on the show, talked about her last night for two hours. I thought you and Lauren Chen and Isabella Riley uh, were amazing. We're, watching Pearl in interview and having that discussion last night, where do, where do you stand now on Pearl? Force for good or grifter? You know, I think it depends on what we're, we actually want. Somebody gave the term that I had never heard last night, uh, trigger marketing. And so I definitely think she's good at that. You know, people get on social media all day and give their opinion and no one really cares. Like you have to have a certain boldness. You have to have a certain ability to kind of trigger people or to get people to notice you. And I think she does very well with that. But it's like, what do you want to come for come from that? You know, we talked about how there are certain people in the world that never want to see the race divide go away because they make a lot of money just keeping that division. If they constantly make black people feel like you're less than, you're oppressed, then these are money makers. So if there's a constant uh, push, oh, men and women are divided, men and women, you know, don't get along, there's a war, you know, women are this, men are that, there's going to be money in that. But what exactly do you want to come from that? Do you really want to see men and women come together just as people? Do you really want to see different races come together and there be, you know, no difference? We judge them on the uh, content of their character. Or do you just want to have hype 
and likes. And so for me, I don't know if I truly believe that there's a desire to see men and women come together. Like we always say inflammatory things. You know, I say a lot of inflammatory things, but I genuinely want to see women in a better position. I don't want women sitting around the house feeling like they are less than because they are housewives or because they are mothers. I know that when I was a young housewife, all of the women around me were either business owners or they worked. And there was no real support system for me to say, you're doing the right thing being at home with your kids. This is what you should be doing. Instead, it was, girl, I couldn't let him control the money. Girl, I couldn't let him make the decisions. Girl, I would have to have my own. And so I consistently felt like I was not doing enough or like I wasn't valued. And so I want women to understand there is value in being there for your children. There is value in being a, a helpmeet to your husband. Like, and so it, it depends on what you're looking for. You know, do we want pearly things to start the conversation? I think she's doing a great job in doing that and getting people talking. Do I think that she really has the tools to actually make a difference and bring people together? I can't say that I, I completely feel like she does or that she even desires to. The desire to thing, I think, is interesting because I, I left yesterday going, she wants to be popular. She wants to make some money. She wants to be successful. She wants to, you know, and she's done that. She's moved out of her parents' house and is on to bigger and better things and is, you know, building the studio and other things. But, but I'm wondering, is that even a fair question to be asking of her? Because did we ask the same questions of let's say Kevin Samuels, who spent a lot of time talking about relationships, making some of the exact same points, a lot of the same points as pearly things. D did we question what his motives were or did we celebrate the fact like, hey man, this guy's built a great business talking about this? I think some people did question. And also he actually, from my understanding, had a, a dating service. So on the side, he put couples together to to actually do what he was telling them he wanted done between men and women. So from my understanding, he had a lot of couples that came together because of his leadership that he was a mentor to, that he was an advisor to. So I think if you're going to be saying these inflammatory things to get you know, recognition or likes, you have to have, or you should have a genuine desire to see men and women actually get past these things that are keeping us at each other's throats, that are keeping us from coming together to be fruitful and multiply and to actually be productive citizens or reproduce more Christians, whatever your desire is. I think if you're going to be saying these things, then you should have a genuine desire to see people come together um, and not just, hey, uh, 
women have no value or men have more value than women. And that's it. Because I think that there are a, a, a group of women, like I said, I was one of them that need to understand there is value in your femininity. You know, even the Bible talks about us God numbering the hairs on our head and we being more valuable than the sparrow. So I think that you can say these inflammatory things, but what next? And so I I just don't know, again, if she's the conversation starter, all hell queen pearly things. But then you also have to have people to come in to add to that conversation so that we can actually move forward as a people. So it, 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 it seems like most content, most artists, most everything has moved away from having some bigger purpose. So, and I'm gonna cite a couple of examples. One would be easy, just music, and and you know rap music from KRS-One, the Public Enemy, and the early days of rap. That there was like, hey, I'm gonna educate people, and I'm going to educate black people on their history, and in, instill some confidence in them, and give them some information they can use to better themselves. And, and to behave in society in a more confident fashion. And, and even in uh, just traditional R&B music or whatever, I'm gonna make some movie, I mean some music that men and women can fall in love together with and make it be a part of their love story and oh, that's our favorite song, blah, blah, blah. Where now all the music coming out of R&B is just about pleasure and sex and and love has virtually nothing to do with it and we certainly know what's happened to rap music but i i would even go as far as the sports world there used to be a greater purpose about teaching concepts of manhood and fairness and hard work and discipline all of that tied to participation in sports all the way up to the professional level where now everything, the end goal is just, does it get you closer to the bag? And so I, I guess I'm saying that Pearl and the phenomenon of Pearl, she's right in line reflecting what the entire culture, not just the, the, the entire culture, th th there's no larger purpose to what virtually any content creator is doing. It, it's, it's go to the people talking about sports on ESPN or Fox Sports. They're not trying to elevate a conversation. They're just trying to trigger and attract viewers. And, and so if, if I, I'm, I'm reluctant, and this is where, again, I keep saying I said it last night in the Twitter spaces, I'm hopeful that Pearl, as a young person, uh, will discover her calling and higher purpose and start tailoring her content to promote 
some greater purpose than just, hey, I want to make enough money so that I can do what I want to do and be as successful as my parents were and blah, blah, blah. And, and so I think she's still capable of that. But I do think I came away from yesterday and today thinking right now she just wants to be popular and successful and uh, she's fallen into something that works and, and works for her personality. And, and again, if she were the stereotypical beauty queen, I don't think what she's doing works. I, I, I think her being the average girl next door and, and coming off as charming and innocent is a big part of the reason why she's having so much success. Uh, but, but I'm still really reluctant to be hypercritical because I'm further along in years and experience and vision uh, than her. And, and, you know, it was interesting, same for you, but it was interesting. I thought Lauren Chin and Isabella Riley had very interesting takes because they're in her age range and age group. And Lauren was, I thought, very respectfully critical of like, hey, she should be having a higher purpose. There should be, there should be more sophistication to her point of view than what's being expressed here. And so, I, I just, I, I, yesterday was fascinating and helped me think through um, a lot of things. And and I mostly come down like this whole manosphere and pearl phenomenon is is a reflection to me of the failure of the church and the church not being the leaders in these conversations because we have a big, big dispute going on between, hey, who is going to be the leaders of this society? And, and the church is wrestling with that as it relates to the pulpit and this whole egalitarian view on ministers, but they're ignoring all of these day-to-day -day things that are impacting people, men in the workplace competing against women, men having to deal with, they're in the workplace competing against women, and, and the playing field isn't level. The whole uh, system is leaning in women's favor and emasculating men. Those things need to be talked about from a biblical point of view, and I think the church would be attracting a bigger audience and more men to the church, but instead they, we, we've been relegated to the manosphere and guys who aren't biblically sound, who, who are basically telling men, nah, man, do what you want. It's these women that are out of order. Uh, get you a passport and go get you a woman who will allow you to do whatever the hell you want to do. It, it's, it's, it's really sad. And so it, I, I don't know your reaction to any of that. Yeah, you said so much. I definitely think Pearly Things is attractive to a lot of men because she's attainable. You know, they see a woman that they feel like they could actually get or pull or have a relationship with. And so that makes her very easy to digest for a lot of men, not simply because she's saying what they want to hear, but it's also like, okay, this is this everyday girl next door 
saying these things. So we should be able to expect this because, you know, this should be the average woman. So I think a lot of people do see her in that way. When you talk about her being younger, that's why I don't have as much criticism for her because she is young. She is only 26 years old. However, it's not lost on me that at her age, I was married at 27. I did my initial sermon. So I knew that there was a greater purpose for my life. And so uh, what, what I do think, though, is her purpose may not be to have that deep conversation. So although I'm pointing out that she doesn't have a really deep conversation, that may not be her purpose. One purpose, one person plants the seed, another one water. God brings the increase. So her purpose may be exactly what she's doing, sparking the conversation so that people like you, people like me, other people who have more to add, Lauren Chin, to the conversation can then jump in there and and do our part. You know, instead of us kind of seeing this as you know, a competition or a fight. I've seen a lot of women be angry at her. You can actually just jump in there and keep the conversation going. And as I was saying last night, there are a lot of things that you can't move me on because of my life experience. Like she lacks that. But instead of me just saying she lacks life experience, I can tag some of the things that she's saying and say she's right because, and then add my life experience to that. So we can actually add to the conversation and grow the conversation and direct the conversation in the way that we feel like it should grow. Go, if we think that her saying women aren't valuable isn't quite right, well, while people, you know, while we have their attention, let's attack the conversation. Let's add to that and let's bring that you know, depth of the conversation that needs to be had. So I just think because she's younger than my oldest daughter, I'm hesitant to just be one of these people that would just try to body slam her. You know, now if she comes after me, I'll gut her like a fish. But, <laughs> you know, <laughs> for now... I think it would just be great for us to add to the conversation and watch her develop and watch her grow because this will be a journey. When I think back to being 26, that seems like so long ago, but it has been a journey for me. And there have been things that I've learned along the way. And I know that she will as well. At 36, she may have a a slightly different message. It could be tweaked a little bit, you know, life will do that to you. And so I'm just open to giving her that space to develop and to grow and to mature and just see what happens and tag the conversation. I'm just going to tag it, you know? Tamika, thank you so much. Appreciate it. Great job as always. Great job last night. We'll see you tomorrow. 
Uh, I want to tell you guys, at the, uh, as the presidential primaries get underway, it's crucial that the candidates address the issues that Christians care most deeply about. That's why I'm excited to tell you that Blaze Media is teaming up with the Family Leader, a pro-family, pro-marriage, pro-life organization to host the summit, the first presidential forum, in, forum of the election season. And here's the best part. The event is going to be moderated by none other than Tucker Carlson. Join us this Friday in Iowa as Tucker sits down one-on-one -on -one with each of the candidates to ask them the questions Christian voters want to hear answered. And when he's done interviewing the candidates, Glenn Beck will join Tucker on stage for an exclusive interview just for our Blaze TV subscribers. You're not going to want to miss this, so head on over now to blazemediasummit.com to subscribe and use the code SUMMIT for 30% off your subscription. Remember, you'll need to be a subscriber to watch Glenn's interview with Tucker, so go to blazemedia.com and use the promo code SUMMIT to save money. All right, uh, get your Fearless Army swag at shopblazemedia.com slash fearless. Tennessee Harmony with Anthony Walker and Dave Shannon. Next. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. All right, welcome back. Time for some Tennessee Harmony. And not only are we back from vacation, uh, being off for two weeks, I think Anthony may have missed our last two Wednesdays before we went on vacation. So it's good to have Anthony Walker back here with us to lead us in our Tennessee Harmony conversation. And uh, Dave Shannon, the Idaho potato, is going to join us from Idaho uh, for today's conversation as we continue our conversation about the kind of the manosphere and Pearl and the, the feud between men and women about the natural order. Before we get into the conversation, we're gonna ask Anthony uh, to bless the conversation with a prayer. Father God, we're thankful for today and thankful for uh, being back, uh, being back in this space. Father, we're thankful for this platform as always uh, to be able to discuss everything within the sphere of a godly worldview. Bless those that listen. Uh, and we pray that uh, not only do we learn, but we're pointed back to your word. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. All right. So the past two days, guys, we've been having a conversation. And I think I saw Dave Chalk Knox in the uh, uh, Twitter spaces last night lurking and listening. Uh, you should have raised your hand and, and piped in, Dave. But uh, anyway, I feel like coming off yesterday, interviewing Pearl, conversation last night, looking at the uh, issue or the opportunity she sees to speak for the Manosphere and why the Manosphere has such an attraction. And, and, and I've reached the conclusion, as you may have heard in my monologue or, or read in my column, like, hey, there's a 
fight, and it's been a planet-long fight about dominion and, and <laughs> the natural order and, you know, God, you know, man following God and God following woman. And, and we've now reached a point to where we're so out of order that we have a lot of chaos going on in the society and everybody's frustrated and everybody's pointing the finger. And, and you know, one of the, the manosphere, I get it. People consider me a part of the manosphere. I'm a fan of the manosphere. I like Pearl. I do think the Manosphere and Pearl are a bit delusional, though, just saying that, hey, it's women's fault, and, and we're not recognizing, and these are things I had to deal with myself, in myself, like, hey, I'm part of the problem. My disobedience to God is a big part of the problem, and I think that finger pointed at myself basically points to, to all men, the things that I'm frustrated with about women. I, I think I'm to blame for that. It, it, it's, I've created, I've given them the out to not follow me because why should they follow me? You're not following God. Why, why, why should I follow you? A, am I? I don't know, that's, that's it. Uh, I think, you know, hearing, reading your column, um, one of the points that I liked about that is you pointed out the need or the why the manosphere even came into existence, why that space is. But when you point it back to responsibility, biblically, even we're the we're the problem. Like if, if we didn't, if we stood up as men, if we even repented, and, and that's the thing that I think sometimes we overlook. It's not that we're saying, hey guys, you gotta be perfect. We're striving for perfection. But even men who have failed, those who have made poor decisions, those who have sinned, those who have contributed, okay, you're still in the game. Repent, get back in the game, and lead like you're supposed to. But when men fail to stand up, when men fail to lead as they're supposed to, anything will fill that void. So that's yeah. idolatry, that's greed, that's feminism, that's LGBTQ+. Anything will fill the void when we don't do our part. Dave? Yeah, you know, Jason, as soon as I got done reading your article, uh, there's a couple things that popped in my head immediately from scripture, one of them uh, pertaining to the manosphere and Pearl. Um, I, I think that we're missing an opportunity here. Um, it, Balaam's donkey, Balaam's ass popped right into my mind from your article. And this is, this might sound a little weird, but um, it takes sometimes for God to open the mouth of an ass for him to open the eyes of a prophet. And as soon as I got done reading your article, that's the thought that popped in my mind. I think we're missing what's happening right now. We have an enemy that is very easily beaten by a 26-year-old girl. Some convictions because that's her position. And she's out there. She's fighting. And she's actually getting the attention She's actually gaining ground. I mean, she's just on social media posting and having a massive impact. And I have my problems with Pearl. So don't get me, don't think that I'm just a fan. The enemy that we have, 
she's having such a massive impact that the church should look at that and say, man, we've been trying to get the youth. We've been trying to get the attention of men. We've been trying to have some sort of social cultural impact. And here it is, a 26-year-old white girl in London, in England, is sitting here kicking butt. And I, I think that her engagement should let us be a little convicted about what's going on. Um, that we don't have that type of impact and engagement and culture in the society that we should have all the answers for. Dave, I, I, you're making a point, and there was a couple times where you froze, and so uh, hopefully that doesn't show up and maybe it, it only froze on my end, but it, it, you're making a point that I agree with and I want to drop in Anthony's lap she is having an impact, the Manosphere is having an impact because they're talking about things that I think a lot of times the church is reluctant to talk about and, and particularly to talk about it in a bold way. And, and so let's take, I, I read uh, Tony Evans' book, Kingdom Politics, and you know it was an examination of politics from a spiritual, biblical point of view. And I can remember coming on the show and one of my takeaways was like, hey man, we gotta figure out a way to uh, empower the family in the voting process because the society should be more concerned about supporting the family than individuals. A nation is a collection of families. And, and it, it, it made me realize, the book did, he didn't make these points, but my extrapolation from the, from the book was like, you know, Women didn't used to vote because we were so tied in and committed to family that a family just needed one vote and it represented the man and the woman. Now we're a, a group of individuals and it's created a bunch of problems when the society doesn't. And so I, it, it, when Pearl says, hey, I don't think women should vote, uh, I'm not sure if that's the answer but I do think it's a legitimate conversation about that we should be having and that uh, ministers should be giving thought to. I'm not saying ministers gotta have the answer right now, but be giving thought to, gathering amongst themselves and talking about it and hashing it out. And, and you know, what do, because as long as our culture and politics are catering to individuals rather than families, we're gonna have problems. Sure, sure, but that's, I, okay, take that conversation you just made. It would have been better probably, I don't know, 50, 100 years ago, and here's why. Now we've gotten to a space to where we don't even know societally what a family is. So if you were to say, if you were to implement that kind of talk or talking point now, it's okay, well, let's relook how we're doing for voting to uh, you know, incentivize families. Well, now we've got a family could be two or three different women and a guy if he choose, like it's, and I'm not saying to not engage in it, but the thought process is right in terms of, okay, how do we reshape society to where we're back to thinking family? But now we've gotten so far away from the, you know, we don't even know what a marriage is. We don't know what a man or a woman is like we're having to start over, which I'm taking now, you know, as a man, I'm taking as a challenge to say, OK, 
Here's the prime point, especially for the church, to come in and help us to deal with the very basics of life. Here's what a man is. Here's what a woman is. Here's what a marriage is. That was what God did even in, you know, as establishing the church. The beginning of the book all the way to the end of the Bible starts with a marriage, ends in marriage. It's all about marriage. Paul tells us in Ephesians chapter five, he talks about a husband loving his wife as Christ loves the church, a woman submitting to her, a wife submitting to her husband as unto the Lord. But then he ends that chapter by saying, y'all think I'm just talking about marriage. I'm talking about Christ in the church. So even marriage takes us back to how Christ and the church operates. If we lose all of that, we're going to be discussing the issues. And that's kind of my issue with it. Sometimes men, we're reactive. And biblically, we should be proactive. We should be taking the lead in this rather than looking back. So now you have men that look back and we say, man, I'm so upset about this. And look at where society is. And I'm saying, hey, the only way we're going to be able to get that is when we get back to the word. Get back to who you're supposed to be, how your family's supposed to be, how you're raising up your kids. All of that determines where our whole society goes. Um, let me let me say this and then uh, you, you'll get back in. But as a family, Chuck Knox knows this well. He's got a whole, you know, what, about 11, 12 of them. <laughs> but but they, you know, what he's putting into the world, his kids are going to have a worldview shaped on how he loves his wife. They're going to know that his sons are going to know, man, this is what it means to be a man, a husband, a father. His daughters are going to know this is what it means to be a woman, a wife, a mother. They're going to get that. They're going to see how that functions when they go out into the world. They're going to want to replicate what they came from because that was the standard. So looking at that, looking at even my family, one of the best contributions that I will make to society, not all the sermons I preach, not all the posts we have, but it's going to be about me loving my wife. And me raising my kids because that's going to set what the worldview looks like in their mind. They're going to know how it means to love God, how it means to worship God, how it means to operate. They're going to get that. And then that goes into the world when they run into the world. And this is crazy. No, I, I can't. I can't participate in all this because I came up differently. Knox. I'm just here to say amen to everything he just said. That's what I'm here to do. <laughs> My goodness. Um, you know, I, I just want to pick up on one thing. I want to maybe uh, organize it a little differently than Pastor Anthony, though, but that was phenomenal. The voting, I just want to talk about the voting thing a little bit. The voting thing, she is dead right about the voting thing. And what Pastor Anthony is saying is you're not going to get to have that conversation if you can't define the reality and the functionality of the family and the structure of the family. I'll even go and say a little more. We're not going to be talking about voting in the 19th and repealing that if we got the SBC out here allowing women to vote in the SBC and not families to vote there. I mean, you have the same problem, but it's starting in the church first. And so we're going to have to have a massive reconsideration of what the Bible says about the family and the structure of the church before we ever can start talking about what we do in the voting area, in the voting booth. Whenever God goes to clean up a place, he always starts at the house of God. It doesn't start at the United States Supreme Court. It doesn't start at, you know, the voting booth. It starts in the house of God. It works its way out through the family. 
And then from that point, it touches every aspect of society that the family participates in. Excellent point. Glad, glad you made that. And it, that'll lead me then to the importance of the fight that is going on in the SBC right now. No, I mean, this whole Rick Warren, that's a critical, critical issue. Dave, you first, then Anthony, you follow in. How is that fight going? Who is winning that fight? How does that, are we about to see the whole destruction of the SBC and it's going to have to be remade anew? Uh, some great news. The last convention, they voted out Rick Warren's church because of the fact that they didn't hold to the Baptist faith and message, which did not allow women to be elders and teachers. So for now, that is a battle that the SBC has won according to how they feel. Look, the Baptist faith and message, I believe it was in 2000, um, it made it very clear what the duties of an elder and a pastor were. And so they confirmed that they are still holding to that reality, uh, at least being able to slightly still define what a woman is, and and kick out the churches that are implementing women inside of the church. I think that's going to have some cultural impact. I think that's going to uh, have some uh, political impact. But the question is, so then now I think the SBC is going to have to say, let's now go a little deeper and define what is a woman, because we almost failed that battle. <laughs> We were too close to failing that battle. We left it up in the air too much. This should have been an open and shut case. We're going to have to go back and understand the metaphysical biblical realities of a man and a woman. We don't send women off to war. The SBC is clear on that. So then why would you send her out to a pulpit or consider sending her out to the pulpit? Your attitude towards a woman going into battle should be the same attitude about her going to the pulpit. You are sending her to die. A man takes on the man. Pastor Anthony knows this. When you take on the mantle to be a pastor, to be a priest, you take on the mantle to represent the people and to die, to lay your life down. They go, you, you die first. You take the first bullets. You take the first hit. Women are different creatures. We don't treat them like that. So that's not an office for them to hold. But that doesn't mean that they don't hold an office that's, a, that's good for the society and the building of the church. They birth children. That's the most valuable thing that we can have. So the SBC is doing good in this case. I'm, I was happy to see that they booted uh, uh, Rick Warren's church and other churches. I think they're taking action on as well. So we can rest assured that at least today on that issue, the SBC is not looking like they're failing. He really helped me understand your point of like, Jason, you think that's the fundamental issue, but no, no, no. We gotta go. We gotta go back to page one of Genesis. Yes. Not, yes. Yeah. not page thirteen. Not twenty. We gotta go anyway. Yeah. Yeah. No. He 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 basically framed it right. It's they're now having to step back. Yes, they're taking some of the right steps in terms of trying to decide if women uh, can be, you know, pastors, et cetera. But that's having to now to re-examine, okay, but what are we really saying? And that's going to be, I, I don't know if it's going to dissolve or whatnot, but it is, there, things are coming to a head where some strong decisions are going to have to be made as to how they define women, their roles, and what Rick Warren is doing on the side is muddying the water because he's trying to make it about mm. gift and not about uh, authority. You know, what did God actually say? 
God didn't say that they, they may not have the gift or may not have the ability, but do they have the right authorization? Can you do this? And that's the end of it. You know, if God says it, that settles it. We should be good with that. But because we've muddied the water, now it becomes a big issue. Listening to that point, Pearl, this is something Pearl actually has been arguing in the past week is like that they may have the gift, and she's not speaking biblically, but she's like, yeah, female teachers are good, but there's a lot of data that show male teachers actually get far better results. Yeah. And, and so I, I would think that probably applies to the ministry, and, and that's not said to diminish women mm -mm. or to put them in their place. It's, it's, it's to recognize the reality of, of how we were designed and what people respond to. And yeah, I, I listen to a lot of this stuff. But you know, there's a lot of data that will show you that leadership and CEO positions and like if you're six foot two, <laughs> you, you actually, and, and, and you actually achieve at a higher level than shorter men. And so if that's the case, if there's something innate in us, something within us that makes us more ready to follow someone who's taller, and if the facts are and that, that you can't blame this on any sexism or misogyny, that women on average are four inches, five inches shorter than men, Maybe, <laughs> maybe all this data points to a fact of like, when it comes to leadership, we were designed in a way that men would be leaders. I'm going to let you stick with your data, Jason. I'm going to let you hold it on the data. I'm looking at it from, just, just from a biblical space, honestly. Sometimes we try to question or define or figure out, okay, why did God do it this way? And that may be, good for discussion, good for fodder, et cetera. But those who are really concerned about being what God has called us to be, hey, I just accept it. This is, this is what God does. And so when God puts man uh, as the head of the wife, when we understand what that term means, headship biblically, we look at headship or leadership as it relates to title, position, power, et cetera. Biblically, headship and leadership dealt with responsibility much more than title position. So when we look at man being the head, it's not just him being able to walk around with his chest out. Yeah, I'm the head of the house. God's going to look at that. No, you're responsible for that house. You're responsible for saving your household. So now your mindset is less on having the title, but more on bearing the responsibility serving, nurturing, caring, teaching, admonishing, bringing them up so that they be saved and so that they are prepared for the world that we go into. Not so much as the title. So, and, and then as it relates to women, the fact that God in his infinite wisdom, yes, man, you've got dominion, but woman, I want you to bring them into this world. Wow. Like he could have done it the other way. Men, I want you to bear them as well. But he gave it to them. And as Knox just said, that is a powerful, powerful thing to birth into this world. And God, because of his infinite wisdom, 
He uses your body to nurture them, develop them and bring them into the world. And he even uses your body to feed them for their formative years, uh, formative months in their life. Like that's miraculous. It's powerful. Give him glory for that. And then let's walk in our function and not worry so much about, you know, the hierarchy that we try to put them in. Work in your function and glorify God. How many women do you think understand or have been taught that? And, and this is just me piggybacking your point mm -hmm. of like, OK, God has given you the responsibility to birth humanity. Yeah. And if he had given you the responsibility of headship and control, that you would be under so much stress that you would undermine your ability to birth proper humanity. And perhaps that's part of the reason why baby mama culture, single mothers or whatever, that when a woman is carrying all of that responsibility and trying to take care of the baby while in the womb and do all that other stuff that she can't do it. And the kids are damaged by that. Do, do we think what, and again, this is, these are foundational things that I think you're saying like sure. have to be understood again yeah. because they've been forgotten. We, we, we just think like, Oh, a single mama can do everything that an intact family can do. And there's no repercussions to this. I just don't think most people understand that. There are many repercussions. There are, to, to mm. the man who tries to do that, to the woman who tries to do that, God designed it for a purpose. And we look back, when we walk in that purpose and live according to it, we see the blessings from it. But at the same time, when we don't walk according to it, we don't live according to his design and purpose, we see the curses of it. We see the repercussion of what comes about. We see, you know, I can look at women who may have the mindset, attitude, masculinity is toxic, all men are dogs and all this kind of stuff. And I can point back to a father who wasn't loving to her mom, a father mm -hmm. who didn't love her as he was supposed. I can see that. I can see men who view women as objects. And I can point back to a father who treated a mom like an object. I can point back to a father that didn't do. So it goes back to that. And when we walk in it, when we do it, not question it, when we do it, and you see what God really does with this. I'm just sitting here thinking about the rise in autistic children. And everyone, man, I wonder why that's happening. I wonder what's changed. Is it vaccines? Is it this? Is it that? And it, it may just be us all being outside of our roles and not handling our responsibilities properly. Knox, go ahead and jump back. Yeah, you know, I just want to remind uh, everyone, too, that dominion is to be had by both men and women. When God told men to take dominion, uh, it was a command for humanity. It was a hum human command. How we do that is different. And so men and women take dominion. The way that the woman takes dominion is by subduing, uh, uh, submitting herself to her husband. This is where Titus 3 talks about, about that. And matter of fact, a man who knows how to take dominion knows that his wife is his number one weapon in witting and shutting the mouth of the culture war because Titus 3 makes it clear from her teaching and loving her kids and teaching younger women to obey their husbands that, and the beauty that comes from the house, they become 
the type of testimony that shuts the mouths of the pagans. They have nothing to say because of that type of beauty. And so uh, women taking dominion is essential. And that's what the enemy partially wants to do is to get the man out of having his help meet in the right position. That's what the dominion. And so if he can get the woman to, uh, you know, out of her position, then man can't properly take dominion the way that he needs to take dominion. And so it's essential that men protect their wives from the serpent and from the, the, the kind of the conversation of the secularists. And then they also nurture them so that they can produce the type of yields that David talks about that says our societies are built, um, are the women are the pillars of our societies. And that's because of men who protect and keep them and allow them to do beautiful things, which is the weapon that shuts the mouth of the pagans. Thank you, guys. Uh, thank you guys both. Great Tennessee Harmony. We'll queue up some Harmony and we'll see you tomorrow. How did we end up so divided? Stop hiding and to be a nation, one united. Now we're headed for downfall. God let your light shine down. What we need more than anything now. My brother, see through the lies you tell us. Cause together we're so much stronger. God, let your light shine down. What we need more than anything now. Let's make a simple vow. Let's come together now. Put all your weapons down. Get to me Open up your eyes